Welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and on today's podcast, we are going to talk about Lent. The season of Lent is a period of time leading up to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. It's a season that encourages its observer to remember that our hope and strength are found in Christ, in his life, his death, and his resurrection. And by engaging in daily scripture reading, prayer, meditation, and other spiritual practices, we journey with Christ from Galilee to Jerusalem and ultimately to the cross. We eventually come to celebrate the victory that Jesus claimed over death through his resurrection on Easter. But just as there is a period of waiting, tension, and anticipation in Advent before the celebration of Christmas, so too is there a journey that takes place on the way to the joy of Easter. And as part of that journey, Lent invites us to live out Christ's call to take up our cross and follow him. And with that in mind, I'm going to bring in our, my two conversation partners for today who are going to be discussing Lent and some of the things that we are going to be doing over the course of this season at The Vine. And they are familiar voices to our podcast listeners as Jason and Rachel are both back with me today. So hello, Rachel. Jumbo. Jumbo. And welcome back, Jason. Jumbo Jamba. It, it, uh, once again, feels like, I feel like I said this the last time that the three of us were together, but our conversations are not anymore the weekly norm, and so it's good for the three of us to get back together to, uh, to have some time to talk and to flesh some of this stuff out. So I'm glad, glad we've got this time to, to spend together today. Yeah, this is good. It, it hasn't happened as much lately, but the good part of that is that, um, you know, as the person who edits the podcast, it's been nice to hear different voices and hear from from other people that haven't been on the podcast and get their perspective on different topics. So yeah, it has uh, been. But good. but it is nice to get back together periodically. That's right. And now you you don't have to listen to the same conversations twice all the time as the editor, which is probably nice as well. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it is it is nice to kind of relive what we discuss. But um, I, I definitely appreciate you know kind of editing and listening and learning um all at the same time yeah absolutely i do find it's helpful to go back and listen to them as a listener and not as a participant i i end up usually getting getting stuff out of them as well uh okay so so at the vine we are we're planning to provide several resources uh over the course of this season that we hope will enhance each of our uh observance of of Lent if you choose to participate in this. And even if that's kind of a foreign word to you, we'll, I think there'll be value in, in engaging some of these, uh, these resources, these practices that we're going to talk about. And we'll talk about some of that over the course of our conversation today. But we think they're going to provide opportunities to, to connect with other people in some unique ways, some, and perhaps even some opportunities to engage in practices that may be new or, or unfamiliar to some of us. And so today's podcast will kind of serve as, as one of those resources as we discuss Lent, uh, as we kind of go over our, our sort of starting points for where, how we enter this season and we think about the benefits of, of pursuing and engaging some of these practices. And so we're going to start there kind of with, with our starting points. And so uh, I'd be curious to hear from each of you, what is sort of your starting point, if you will, when it when it comes to Lent? Because I, I have some in, in, I have some assumptions about our answers here, and I, I won't reveal too much of those just yet. But but as we head into this season, 
Uh, where are you starting from? And by that I mean, have you done much with Lint in the past? Do you have much knowledge about it, much experience about it? Uh, you can kind of take any, any or all of that to, to talk about your starting point as we enter into this season. So who, who wants to kick us off there? Well, um, I'll, I'll start off uh, by saying, you know, growing up in the Church of Christ, uh, Lent was not much of a religious observance. Really, a, it wasn't a religious observance at all. Um, I knew about Lent and some of the other holy days uh, around Lent, mainly through friends who were Catholic or or maybe Methodist. Um, growing up not too far from Galveston, uh, you know, Galveston has a big Mardi Gras celebration. Uh, not quite as big as, as New Orleans, but probably second in terms of of you know number of people attending and parties and that kind of stuff. And and so Mardi Gras in Galveston was a big deal to a lot of uh, people in the area where I grew up, and uh, I learned a little bit about what Lent was just from from that. Uh, and then years later, um, when we were living in Clear Lake, we attended the Clear Lake United Methodist Church, and uh, that church did observe Lent and uh, Ash Wednesday and and the Lenten season. And I learned a lot more about the purpose and function of Lent at that time and, and really grew to appreciate it as a time of, of spiritual sacrifice or of physical or, or existential sacrifice and spiritual focus and growth. And off and on since then, I've, I've practiced it in some, you know, not in a, a, a heavy way, but in somewhat of a, a light way observed Lent and the season that that proceeds from Ash Wednesday to to Easter Sunday so that's that's kind of where I came from in it and um, you know I, I don't consider it something that is essential necessarily to my faith life but that in, in different times of life have been uh, really good at at creating a sense of uh, spiritual preparedness and a spiritual uh, connection to God in a way that, you know, I don't necessarily get at other times of the year. Yeah, I think that I don't have a big background in Lent and I've, you know, heard of it a little bit and I think it's being reclaimed in Protestant and evangelical traditions. Um, but I just see it as, as, thinking of the early church, like the early centuries church, they kind of had two major seasons upon which they structured their worship. And so Advent is the season of preparation for Christmas, and then Lent is the season of preparation for Easter. So basically in the Christian calendar, Easter and Christmas are the two biggest days because of the significance of what they mark in the life of Jesus and what it means for our faith. So I see Lent as the time of reflecting on the wilderness wanderings of the Israelites. Um, they had 40, 40 years of wandering and testing. And then it's also where we remember the 40 days of testing that Jesus went through in the wilderness before he started his ministry. So I think that's why uh, a lot of the traditions practice giving something up or kind of a sacrifice 
So it's almost a way of kind of testing yourself, which I'm not sure if that's really how how it should be or what it was intended. But just I think it's a time of orienting ourselves to remember that we are frail human creatures whose desires are misordered and to remind ourselves that we face temptation day to day and to try and share in that temptation that Jesus went through and that the Israelites went through, but to draw comfort from Christ who overcame the temptation on our behalf. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good rundown of it. And that's a good kind of synopsis. And so I, um, you know, I, I certainly, my, my background and experience kind of growing up would have been very similar to Jason as, as, and I, I don't have the, uh, I don't have the journey through a period of time with a Methodist church that, that gave me some, some experience with it personally. Um, and so I think one year, I think I've like given up something one year for Lent when I still didn't really have that great of an understanding of it, but it was like, Hey, I knew some other people were doing this. And, um, I don't even remember, I think I gave up like social media or something, you know, one year for Lent because that was kind of the trendy thing to do. Yeah. My, my daughter one time when we decided to do it as a family decided she was going to give up brushing her hair for Lent. Ah, well, <laughs> and we said, um, let's reconsider that's, that one. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. I think Regan could Eight. have pulled that off. <laughs> Uh, it not fine. That, that was when she was like seven or eight. That would have been oh, I got harder. Um, yeah. yeah. Aiden Aiden gave up uh Legos one year, which that mm-hmm. particular year was indeed a sacrifice. Yeah. So Yeah, I think the giving things up is you're supposed to, you know, consider something that might be standing in the way of your relationship with Jesus or something that that might be taking up too much of your time or being a distraction. So <laughs> your children were creative in their choices. Maybe Legos were keeping Aiden from playing yeah. <laughs> or from praying. But well, I think it's also um, I that you're 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 right, Rachel. But I also find that the sacrificial part of Lent is also helpful in uh, just kind of putting aside the things that we may be drawn to to force us to focus on drawing ourselves closer to God. So, um, you know, we could, we might could debate as to whether or not being drawn to something inherently, you know, thwarts us from, from drawing ourselves closer to God. But I I also kind of find it's, it's a nice time just to uh, kind of reset what, what I consider to be essential in my life or what I consider to be um, necessary for me. So it, maybe it's not something that is inherently bad or keeping me from, uh, you know, engaging in, in a fuller relationship with God, but maybe it's something that, um, you know, I don't want to get to that point. And so it's more of a, it's as much a preventative measure as it is a redemptive measure. Hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that Lent is not just about denying yourself like it's not supposed to be a negative experience Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be a positive experience it's supposed to be something that draws you closer to Jesus so if you're just giving something up without 
increasing your time of prayer or increasing your reading of scripture and those other disciplines, it can sort of just become like another burden, like almost a workspace salvation of you have to do this to earn God's favor, to earn his love. But God already loves us to the maximum, (laughs) like us sacrificing watching TV isn't going to make him love us more, you know, so yeah. I think the problematic way to do Lent is to use is to kind of see it as a test of will. Yeah. How long, you know, can I can I go from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday without engaging in this behavior or without partaking in this thing that I, you know, have so deeply integrated into my life? Is it a, a, a do I have the willpower to do mm. that? And I think that's probably not the best uh, frame for for Lent. Yeah. The, one of the devotionals that we might be using, um, its introduction says, this season is an invitation into the new life of Christ. Life is the aim and transformation is the goal. The sorrow of Lent is healed by the joy of Easter. So it's talking about like, don't just do these practices or give something up because if it's only that, basically you're missing the point. Like you're supposed to be drawn into the story and and it's supposed to be, you uniting yourself more with the life of Jesus and being transformed through that process. So it's not just like, see how much I can deny myself yeah, <laughs> and how long I can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost feel like, I feel like to sometimes like some casual Lent observers, this is kind of some of my earlier remembrances of it. It almost felt like um, sort of like Christian New Year's resolutions in a way. Like these are things like I know I need to be giving something up or doing something better. So I'm going to kind of make it be what I'm doing for Lent. Mm. <laughs> and and I certainly do feel like it. Yeah, it short circuits the, the kind of purpose of it. If we only make it about something like that, something that we're giving up without tying it in to the larger story of Jesus or, or what the purpose is that is trying to, to get us to see. And. And so I think along those lines, so that was like, like I said, that was kind of, I began to kind of have sort of casual, sort of distance um, experiences with Lent. And I think, especially for those of us who kind of grew up in a specific faith tradition growing up, I feel like in the past there were sort of much more definitive lines between groups and between denominations and backgrounds. And it was like, if if there was a group that like, or a, a denomination or a tradition that, that observed or practiced Lent, it was almost like that was their thing, right? And, and I think Advent was kind of the same thing. And I think now a lot of those lines are more blurred than I feel like they were in the past. And I mean, even at the Vine, you know, we, we have so much of a different kind of um, variety and diversity in terms of people's backgrounds as far as faith goes from people who don't have a faith, you know, didn't grow up in, in a church or who grew up in different kind of traditions or denominations. And so all of that kind of gets blurred even within our group. But I feel like it's much more common for like different groups to, to observe and practice some of these things. And, and so I wanted to mention that just in terms of, even if this isn't something you have traditionally practiced in the past, I, I think there's value in not letting that keep us from seeing the benefit of it, keep, keep us from seeing that it's, it's something of value. Um, because cause I do think there's value in, in spending, in, in focusing on something for a specific season, for a specific set of time, 
And like we recognize that, maybe not directly, but we recognize that like in our in our in different parts of our life. Like this weekend, uh, this past weekend, like if you're listening to this kind of in the, the 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 week that it's coming out, you know, it was Valentine's, and and we can you know at some at some level kind of say, well, shouldn't every day be Valentine's? You know, there's stuff like that that people say, but it is good to have those times where we're like especially focused on something, and that's why we celebrate anniversaries, and that's why we celebrate birthdays, and that's why we celebrate Christmas, and. And so I think there's value in that in this season as well, as to be a time to refocus, to be a time to, to bring some intentionality behind something. And, and I think it's going to be a season when we can do that collectively as a church, because there are some things that we have been talking about wanting to, to be intentional about, to be intentional about pursuing spiritual practices, to be intentional about, uh, about our prayer life, about spending time in, in Scripture. And this is just another one of those seasons that gives us sort of some direction and, and areas of focus where we can do that to help, to help not only in this season, but to help set us up for pursuing those practices within the, the, the kind of broader course of our lives as well. And I think whenever we embrace that seasonal emphasis on something, we should remember that this doesn't increase our salvation. Um, it is for, for our good and for our betterment. But it's not like increasing my own, like Jason was talking about, like willpower, you know, like that's really not the goal. Um, the goal is not self-reliance, but it's reliance on Christ. Um, and so maybe if you are giving something up, you're kind of making space in your hand for for God to put something else there or just to, to grab onto his hand. And so I feel like part of the emphasis is kind of clearing away. Um, maybe considering things that aren't helpful and opening up some space to to have room for what is good and what is helpful. And I think for me, even going with that, I think it's even good to remember that even if we don't see it as necessary or mm. quote unquote commanded in scripture, yeah. that it can still be good practice for us. Because yes. I feel like that was sort of, some of the pushback of some of that, like when I was younger, was like, well, this isn't, it's not a scriptural thing. Right. You know, like Lent, you're, you're not going to find anything about Lent in the Bible, which is true. You know, Lent isn't, isn't a season that you're going to read Paul talking about, but everything associated with the, with the season, and at least, you know, all the stuff that we're going to do is, is very much connected to scripture and to scriptural practices. Yes. And it's about, it's about participating in the life of Jesus and experiencing that and spending time in scripture. And all those are scriptural things and are good things and are beneficial things. And so this is kind of just, to me, uh, a seasonal avenue for doing some of that with a specific focus. And, and so I think, you know, if, if there are still some of our, our people who still kind of see this as a tradition of other backgrounds, like if, because I think there is some, you know, I, I'm, I was, you know, for a long time, I was like, well, that's kind of a Catholic thing, right? Like that's, that's something that other groups do. And so maybe I'll latch on to certain parts of it, but, but that's kind of a different thing. And so if that's kind of still of a struggle for, for some of our people, or even if the, the word Lent in and of itself is a struggle, you know, you could see it as just a journey to Easter where I'm going to be pursuing some of these practices. Um, but that there's benefit to, to doing these things that they can be formative and they can be good. But, but yeah, as you were saying, Rachel, certainly not something that we're doing. Um, 
as a means for, for salvation, but as a means for formative practices that, that draws us closer to Christ and our reliance on him. I feel like anything that brings us closer to Jesus is a good thing. Um, right. And so it is about your spiritual formation. I, I, I want to kind of like warn against it becoming almost like a self-righteousness of like, oh, I observed Lent so wonderfully. Now I'm like the best Christian, you know. Um, it's about your relationship with Jesus and not comparing yourself to what somebody else is doing. And you had, um, Rachel, you had mentioned the idea of, of this season being connected to, to Jesus's time in the wilderness. And, and I do like that idea of Lent as sort of a, a picture of, of Jesus's time in the wilderness and our, in, in some ways, kind of to use Jason's language of, of Advent, kind of reenacting that in some ways or participating in that and and this kind of being a, a picture of that. And it's always been interesting to me when, when Matthew talks about that experience, the first two verses of Matthew 4, uh, Matthew says, then, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And I've always felt, and I've said this before, I think in a sermon or something, that that second verse there, after four, fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's like the most master of the obvious type sentence in all of scripture to me. That like, of course, yes, Matthew, thank you for pointing out the obvious that someone was hungry after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. But, but even in just kind of thinking about that story again this week, I almost wonder, because I've, I've, I've also wondered in the past that we think of Jesus as being weak in that moment, but that perhaps part of what's going on there is that he is spiritually kind of at his strongest in this moment because of, of the time that he's been spending focusing on, on the spirit and on his connection to the father and all those things in this time. And I almost wonder if there's, there's some of that kind of inherently in that sentence that, that Matthew doesn't say after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was weak. Matthew says he was hungry. Like there's a very physical element to that. And that, even though he he has this physical hunger, he is sort of spiritually full and 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 strong, and and so he's not at a point of weakness. And so because of that, he is able to to stand up against this this temptation. And and you know, there's been all kinds of stuff written and preached and, and taught about the the ways in which Jesus responds to Satan and, and all of those temptations. Um, but it is interesting to me that there there seems to be some purpose here of Jesus's time in the wilderness that he's not only it's not only a time of communing with the Father, but there is some element of it that that seems to be specifically geared toward his his ability to stand up to Satan. And so, like this from the NIV uh, application commentary, this is a quote from that that says Jesus in the desert. Uh, Jesus Jesus is in the desert not only to commune with the Father but also to engage the enemy. Like it's this moment of standing up to Satan and, and doing what, what those who came before him and those who will come after him as humans were unable to do. It's this moment of standing up against temptation that is part of his purpose for being out there. And so part of it is spiritual preparation. Part of it is communing with the Father. But it's, it's those things with the purpose. It's those things with the purpose of being able to have the strength to, to overcome and to, to stand up under temptation. And I think there's something for us to take from that story as well that, that connects with us about how we can go about standing up against temptation 
in our own lives. Yeah, the, the line that you highlighted in the text about, you know, Jesus being hungry, uh, I, I definitely feel like that's an understatement, but I think the author knows that it's an understatement in order to kind of demonstrate that, you know, when I'm hungry, that's when I'm most tempted to eat. And it's also, and I'm not saying that this is what the author intends necessarily, but it's also the time at which I'm maybe more at risk for eating something unhealthy, eating something that's not good for me, just doing whatever I can in the immediate moment to satiate my hunger. And uh, Jesus doesn't do that. You know, Jesus has the, the, it, the foresight to be able to know that, uh, that he needs to fill himself with something healthy and beneficial and um, righteous. And I think that's, that's what I think Lent is really pointing us towards, is what are we filling ourselves with? What is it that we are either filling ourselves with physically in terms of the, what we're you know, putting into our body, but, but more, more importantly, what are we spiritually filling ourselves with? How are we uh, kind of engaging with life around us in a way that is, you know, edifying to us or edifying to God or neither? I think it's, it's also not just standing up to temptation, but part of Lent is us admitting where we have fallen to temptation. And so there's this strong sense in Lent that we take sin seriously and identify and name the ways in which we have disobeyed God's word. Um, and I think that's part of the discomfort of it too, um, because it really focuses on confessing your sin and admitting that you came from dust and will return to dust. So part of Lent is is facing your your mortality head on and realizing that as a human being you have fallen to temptation and still will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. And I there's another thought that I've sort of had associated with Lent, especially as I've been reading some other um readings and some other people's thoughts on it and it kind of goes along with what you just said there and so I'll I'll bring it up here because I think Part of what I want to do, uh, part of what we're planning to do is come back at the end of after Easter and kind of do almost like a looking back, kind of how did we experience some of this? Um, how did we think it went? Things like that. And so I'm going to go on record with something here at the beginning of the season and just sort of get this thought out there. This is how I feel at the beginning. And y'all can push back against it now or we can see how <laughs> if, I, if I agree with it after the fact. Um, and I think it goes something like this, that, that I agree with you that I think there is certainly a, an aspect of this that, that calls us to examine our own lives, recognize our own sins, recognize the places where, um, where, where I am not taking up my cross daily and, and following Christ as, as I should. I also think, on the other hand, that I, I think I've found that, that some of the emphasis on sin, on our sin, specifically the stuff that focuses on like the depth and weight of our sin, just sort of doesn't sit well with me. And I've had a bit of an issue with it as I've read like just kind of some people's writings and thoughts on Lent. Because I think it can, it be, it can begin to sound like we're these like worthless, no good people 
who have basically forced God's hand into doing something that that he didn't really want to do so that his wrath wasn't unleashed on us. Like, I feel like sometimes that kind of is, is how it kind of comes across to me. And I feel like so much emphasis on the depth of our sinfulness can actually serve to reframe the story of the cross in some ways that are actually not great and in some ways kind of unhealthy even. And I think some of this is because I think a lot of the readings, especially that you read kind of culturally now, they're either written by very kind of reformed thinkers or Calvinistic type thinkers. And, and so some of this is, is definitely my personal just kind of push against that way of thinking about God and about theology. And so I recognize some of that. And, and there are people who I know and love and respect who, who are very much Calvinistic and Reformed thinkers. So I don't, so, you know, I, I get that, but it's, it's not where my mind goes. And I just, to me, I think there's a way to recognize our own sin and also recognize that, that the cross is ultimately about God's love for us. Um, that, you know, as John says, it's for God so loved the world that he gave his only son for us. This is all an expression of his love. This is not God looking for, for a whipping boy that he finds in Jesus. This is not, this is not, um, well, just so, so I have this quote here. This is from an author who I think kind of summed up some of my thoughts well. The cross is not the appeasement of an angry or retributive God. The cross is not where Jesus saves us from God, but where, God, where Jesus reveals God as Savior. The cross is not what God inflicts upon Jesus in order to forgive, but what God in Christ endures as he forgives. The cross is where the sin of the world coalesced into a hideous singularity so that it might be forgiven in mass. The cross is where the world violently sinned its sins in the body of the Son of God and where he absorbed it all, praying, Father, forgive them. The cross is both ugly and beautiful. It's as ugly as human sin and as beautiful as divine love. But in the end, love and beauty win. And so I think that for me kind of captures what I kind of envision about the cross and where I find myself thinking about, I can, I can recognize the ugliness of human sin that still exists within us. And I, I have a need for examining that within my own life. And I have a need for for examining the cross and appreciating what Christ has done for me on the cross. Um, but I do think the perspective with which we view that with matters and that ultimately we see it as this picture of, of love and beauty and, and redemption that I think the cross is, is ultimately a picture of. You're kind of leave, leaving me speechless. <laughs> so those are, those are some of my thoughts throwing that I'll, I'll just get on record at the beginning, so. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, there was a debate about the hymn. Um, I think it's How Deep the Father's Love for Us. There are several. And there's a line, The wrath of God was satisfied. That's, that's in, it's in and Christ so, Alone, actually, is that song. Oh, that's in Christ Alone, you're right. So um, there was a hymnal that came out. And they changed the line to, the love of God was magnified. Um, and I think it was maybe Keith and Kristen Getty who wrote that hymn. And they were incredibly upset that their lyric was changed. But that lyric 
didn't sit well, <laughs> I guess, with those who were creating the hymnal. So they changed the wrath of God to the love of God. And for me, it's both. Um, I feel the tension of both. Like, I do believe that that sin was a serious issue and had to be dealt with um, in in this sacrifice of Jesus. And I also believe that the dealing of that sin was the greatest expression of love that we could ever see or imagine. It was the absolute best way. And the Bible calls us back to that too and says, we know this, we know the love of God through this, that God gave his son to die for us. Um, I, I see both. And I think that scripture testifies to both as well. Yeah, I was um, I was still leading worship at the church where I was at when that controversy first started kind of to become a big thing. And I, uh, I purposely stopped leading that song and I don't think I've sung it since. So <laughs> I love that song. I love the first I three sing- verses. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I do sing the wrath of God one. Um, and that's probably just because that's the way I learned it when I first learned it. Um, yeah. And when I do remember being disappointed when I heard it sung, the love of God was magnified. That's a beautiful line, but I felt like it took away from the theological weight and the understanding of what sin is and the price that Jesus paid for us. I just feel like our culture doesn't take sin seriously. And so as Christians, that's something that makes us distinctive, not just going around and pointing fingers, but being honest about the fact that we that we, we are sinners um, and we're saved by the grace of God alone and nothing that we could earn or do for ourselves to to have God's love, but he chose to demonstrate it to us in giving his son. The, I think what goes along with that, you said that as a society, we don't, uh, I don't remember exactly how you put it, but, but we don't take sin seriously enough. I would agree with that. I think that's a mark of the difficulty that our society has with the concept of humility and the concept of reliance on someone other than myself, you know, kind of giving up yourself uh, to someone else, even if that is God, uh, is not something that we necessarily want to do and that we're eager to do. And frankly, that the a lot of the, I guess, uh, value tenets and mores of American culture push against that in many ways. Um, and so I can see how, you know, I, I don't remember hearing about that controversy at all. Maybe I just wasn't, you know, uh, observant in the right circles to be made aware of that until now. But Warren, I, I get your point, though, about there, there seems that, that sometimes within certain circles, there is a overemphasis on the depravity of humanity. Um, but it, it, I don't know, in my mind, I, I both, both seem to be true. It depends on when and where and to whom you're, you're interacting, that, that sometimes there is this sense of depravity uh, of humanity, but then also there seems to be this... Um, uh, within our society at large, kind of a dismissiveness of sinfulness in general. And I think Lent is kind of a, represents an opportunity to blend those two things together that, you know, we are, that our value is made right with, within God and that Jesus makes us right within God. 
and because of that we are worthy and we are not depraved uh, the way that that we might otherwise be but at the same time our response to that should be to recognize the reliance we have on God and the necessity to uh, to turn in that direction for um, not just for our sustenance and not just for our um, you know well-being but for our very nature and for our very existence yeah and i i agree and i like i said i i think i think all of those things are, are are right that i need to be aware of those things and and that my hope and my strength does come from god it comes from god through christ and and that this season is a good reminder of that i just feel like especially kind of in our culture now any any conversation about the cross usually ends up coming back to some language or verbiage of of wrath and and i just i personally don't see that in the cross it it is about love to me and and yeah I, and i feel a tension there then because about just kind of how you go about describing it and and thinking about it then but ultimately i think it all has to be viewed through that through that lens one of one of love not one of wrath um and so that's that's part of a larger conversation that we could spend a whole a whole series of podcasts on but <laughs> like i said i just wanted to throw it out at the beginning just throw that grenade out there on top of all the other uh conversations so because <laughs> i think it i think it is an important aspect of how we view these things and of this season and how how we go about talking about a lot of these things because i do think i think language matters um and not that we have to agree on agree on language or agree on how we view it but um th those are my thoughts i think it's something to keep in mind as we go through this season and for us to all have open minds a little bit and to see if our understanding of the cross is transformed the more that you think about it. I do think it's a lifelong journey too. Um, oh, absolutely. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and not only a lifelong one, but I mean, it's one that, I mean, Christians have been wrestling with it since he died, right? Like putting, putting what happened on the cross into human vocabulary and in ways that people can understand is not only a lifelong pursuit it's a human like it's a humanity long pursuit right and so yeah so i agree i never want to assume that i've i've certainly got any or all of the answers but but that yeah it's it's something i'm content continually kind of wrestling with yeah yeah yeah. And Paul says the cross is offensive, like it's going to offend you, like it is obscene, it is gory, it's horrible. Um, and sometimes I feel like we soften the cross too much. Um, we just make it this nice little story and it's flowery and beautiful because the reality of it was gruesome and horrible um, and it's heavy. Um, it's heavy to think about like anytime there's a, like a depiction, a movie or anything, like I, I just can't even handle it uh, of seeing those moments when Jesus is on the cross. Cause, <laughs> but one thing that's a little bit ironic about it to me is that in the gospels, like you have these whole stories about the life of Jesus and kind of everything leading up to the cross and him teaching his disciples, but the actual descriptions of what happens on the cross is somewhat brief in comparison to everything before it. Um, 
it's almost as if the writers themselves couldn't bear to describe exactly what happened and were not yet ready to reflect theologically on what it meant. So they did describe a lot of the things of that happened after, like the earthquakes and people coming out of the tombs. But they, but in the Gospels themselves, you don't have much theological explanation of what happened or what motivated God or, you know, all of that. So I do think that's interesting. We get more of that in Paul in the letters later. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And um, yeah, I had some other thoughts there, but I'll use them as a segue to, to talk about some of the other resources we're going to do and provide because... Um, because I don't want to preach the first sermon of, of the series that we're going to do. So. <laughs> so I'll save those thoughts for there. So if you want to hear my, my thoughts on some of what Rachel just had <laughs> to say, tuned. then you can, uh, you can listen to our first sermon of the series, because uh, there are several things that, that we're going to do kind of in conjunction with Lent and with this season that, that, again, as I said earlier, I think are going to be reflective of some of the things we've talked about, even in, in some of the spaces in this podcast about wanting to provide opportunities for engagement with spiritual practices, but also to provide opportunities for more collective participation and sort of ownership of, of like even our, our worship experiences and things. And so, so a few of those things that we're going to do, uh, one of them is we're going to uh, be sending out some uh, suggestions for reading plans. If, and there are all kinds of different devotionals that you can find. So if you've got a reading plan that, that you want to use or are already using, that's great. Uh, but if you want to do one that kind of others within our collective community will be uh, reading at, at the same time, we'll, we'll have some of those that we'll have uh, that that we send out. Our Zoom conversations on Wednesday nights then will sort of be based around those same readings. Uh, maybe on some week we'll take a, a kind of a concept that we'll be focused on in the readings for that week and talk about it. Maybe on one week, we'll, we'll kind of take one of the scripture readings from that week and, and just kind of discuss that together as a group. And so beginning on Wednesday, February 17th through Easter, our, our Zoom conversations, our Zoom gatherings on Wednesdays will be focused on, on, on this season, on Lent and some of the, the readings and things associated with it. And so if you haven't yet participated in, in those gatherings, this is a great time to jump in. Uh, I know it can be kind of difficult if, if you haven't been involved to think, well, you know, if this group has kind of, you know, been going for a while, can I just come in and, and join in? And, and yes, you always can. Um, but this is maybe kind of a natural time to do that. And it'll be something, a new kind of topic and in, in, in conversation and series that we'll be all starting fresh. And so please come join us for that if you're interested in that. Um, we're also going to have Rachel's putting together a, a Spotify playlist. Uh, if you're a person who is, yeah, who is moved and, and benefits from music and from, from all that goes with that. And then the other one that I mentioned that is, I think, a way to kind of participate in, in sort of the, the experience of the worship time is an art project that we're going to try to do where I'm encouraging people to create, draw, paint, sculpt something uh, of the cross, your kind of picture of the cross, whatever that feels like, looks like, means to you. Um, and then I want to find a way that we can display those within our, our worship center for this, this season and for the sermons that will go along with that. 
uh, our sermon series that's kind of focused on, on the cross leading up to Easter will start a couple of weeks after technically the beginning of Lent. Um, but but we'll, we'll have some sermons that kind of go along with that uh, beginning in, in March. And, and so I would love for, for, for our worship center, for our stage, uh, and maybe other places within the foyer, or who knows what all, depending on what all we get, uh, to sort of have, have represented uh, artistic expressions of the cross. And I think that can be a way for us to engage a different part of our, our being, a different part of our brain in, in kind of experiencing this season, and also a way to sort of be collaborative in how we go about expressing ourselves and how we go about experiencing our times in worship um, over the month of March. So I want to encourage people to, to participate in those as well. And that's kind of an overview of, of some of the, the offerings that we're going to have for this month and, and ways that you can participate in, in, in some of the things that we'll be doing together as a community of, of believers. Either of you kind of have thoughts or anything to add on any of that, or, or maybe what you're hoping to get out of this season and some of those offerings that we're going to be putting together? Well, I mean, personally, in, I mean, you, you and Rachel have, you know, obviously done the work to put together those uh, devotionals and offerings. So I'm just kind of here for the ride. Uh, but in terms of like what I hope to get out of this Lenten season, um, I really do want to kind of return to Lent as a period of, of reconnection to God's love and to and a reconnection to reliance on God. Uh, I think that that's an important component of this season. And, uh, and in the past, I have kind of sometimes taken the approach of uh, just um, just taking the approach of, hey, let's just give up something and let's see how that goes. And uh, I, I do think it, it is important to make that a little bit more uh, spiritually focused and a little bit more, um, you know, connecting to God. One, one thing we haven't talked about yet is kind of the pillars of Lent that I came across. And so one, it's fasting, prayer, and almsgiving, which is just like service and charity. So I'm kind of interested in exploring those three for me personally. Um, for fasting, I often fast from things that are not food. Um, I do kind of alternative fast, but I think in some ways that's an excuse too. And so I'm going to try to do some actual food fasting during this season um, and explore maybe some different ways of prayer and then also keep my mind open to how I might be charitable and showing God's love to those in need. So I'm looking forward to what this season might bring for my for my own spiritual growth um, and to see how that might intersect with what God is doing in the lives of others. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that about kind of our tendency to choose alternative fasts, because I think there are certainly benefits of that. And especially if you're going to be doing it for 40 days, right? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't oh, recommend to, to go without eating for 40 days. Work for that. 40 days yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think, yeah, that there is value in fasting from food from a specific, for a specific set of time, you know, whether that's a day or, um, and, and that is how it's always discussed in scripture. And so I think it's a good practice for us to, to engage in that. I think it does. You, you notice, I think your reliance on food and how much of an integral part 
eating is to your day, I feel like, when you go without it for a day. And at least that has been my experience, that then when I've gone without eating, like I recognize just how much of just second nature it is sometimes to walk past the pantry and grab a snack or, you know, just all the different ways that, that food is kind of incorporated into the practices of, of my day in ways that, that I can be reminded of, of some of those other things that I'm fasting from. But, but food is so much connected to our sustenance and strength and rhythms that I think forcing myself to give that up for a day does, does sort of jolt me in some ways that, that maybe giving up other things wouldn't. And so I certainly think there's, there's value in that. And so, yeah, maybe we can find a day where we encourage people to fast on the same day or within the, the same period of time or something to be able to have some conversations about it. Cause I, I think there's certainly value in that. And and I also think that, you know, even if, even if you're not someone who wants to give up something for the 40 days of, of Lent because you, you don't see the value in that or don't want to do that or whatever, um, there's still plenty of ways to participate and to observe this season through the reading plans, through prayer, through um, devotionals, through, through other offerings. And I think even in participating in that, if you're going to set aside specific time to do that, you're still giving up something. Maybe it's not like, you know, I'm giving up chocolate or Legos or Dr. Pepper or whatever it is, right? But, <laughs> but you're, you're giving up some part of your day or something that you typically would have been using that time for otherwise. And so even that, I think, is this sort of element of, of sacrifice in some ways, if, even if there are just kind of specific things that you're going to be pursuing during this season that you might not have otherwise. And, and maybe it can kind of be a catalyst for if you're someone who has wanted to incorporate more daily scripture readings into your routine and rhythm, this can be kind of a way to, to, give you, to give you a boost in that and maybe build some momentum that you can carry forward past the season of, of Lent as well. So even if self-sacrifice uh, isn't the focus for someone during Lent, there are lots of ways by which to... Uh, kind of refocus your reliance on God. And so even if that doesn't involve self-sacrifice, if it involves more deliberate prayer time or Bible study or, uh, you know, spiritual mindful meditation, you know, perhaps something like that, that a person is able to integrate into their routine over the next 40 days, uh, you know, could still have benefit. Well, that's probably a good place for us to wrap up today. And so we will we'll revisit uh, kind of our, our look back on Lent in podcast form later at the end of the season. But we hope others will join us in some of these conversations that we'll be having over Zoom and, and in other spaces over the coming, coming weeks. And I uh, hope that this is a time when we can all do just that and focus on our, our reliance on, on Christ and our, our need from him and remember where it is that we find our true strength and, and sustenance and, and ability to, to stand up against temptation and, and find forgiveness in those moments that we don't. Uh, so thank you, Rachel, Jason, for, for spending some time with us today in this conversation. And uh, Rachel, you want to close us out in prayer today? Sure. God, thank you for uh, a season that 
helps us to focus more intentionally on our relationship with you. I pray that each one of us would find a meaningful way to walk more closely with you as we near the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.